Dancers have a lot to balance. From their pirouettes to their jumps, a dancer's performance is a direct result of hard work and motivation. So where does food fit into this? There's a lot of myths and a ton of antiquated ideals about what a dancer's diet should look like. And I'm here to dispel those. I'm Rachel Fine, registered dietitian nutritionist and founder of To The Point Nutrition. I'm the dance nutritionist and I'm here to tell you that to be a successful dancer, you don't have to diet. Instead, I'll teach you how to use food as your best tool to enhance your performance. A nourishing meal plan not only fuels your dancing, but also enhances your strength, improves your balance, supports your flexibility, and most importantly, reduces your risk to injury. Hi. Hi. Well, thanks for joining me on Conversations with the Pros. I'm really, really excited. Why don't you walk us through your journey from being a student dancer to a professional dancer? Yeah, so I um, started, I mean, I guess I've been dancing all my life, but started taking dance classes when I was three. Um, super, super, super recreational studio. It was when I was, I grew up on Long Island in New York. And so super, super recreational studio until I was about 12. Um, and I had friends from school who danced at competitive studios and things like that. And um, decided I wanted more serious dance training. Um, my mom early on really didn't push me to have serious training because she had a cousin who was a pre-professional ballet dancer and she quit when she was 18 because her mom forced her and she hated it. My mom didn't want that to happen for me. Mm -hmm. um, and so she basically was like, if you want to be more serious about dance, it has to be something that you make the decision to do. So started at a competitive studio, stayed there until I was about 16 and actually the summer of when I was 16, I went to a summer intensive at um, Joffrey Ballet School in New York and realized, oh, <laughs> if I want to be serious about ballet, I need a lot more serious training because I was getting at that competitive studio, had a wonderful ballet teacher, <clears throat> more Balanchine focused. She had trained under Andrea Glovsky, and so she was great, but I only had about two classes per week and it just wasn't like if I wanted to be serious about ballet, that wasn't nearly enough. You know, I was getting stuff in other styles, but wasn't getting a ton of ballet. And so then that fall realized, okay, <clears throat> I want to be more serious about ballet. And then started um, the year, because I had also, after I had done Joffrey's intensive, I also did a Glevsky's intensive and started the year at a Glevsky, um, but then realized that I was missing doing other styles. We had ballet and contemporary, but we didn't really have like jazz. We didn't have tap musical theater or anything like that. And so then <clears throat> was debating going to a Glevsky and like a studio for other styles, but then ended up finding competitive studio that I was at, that I ended up going to that had a really strong ballet program and also really strong competitive program and like had taken a ballet class there and took one of their, I think it was like their jazz technique or like turns, leaps and jumps, whatever it was, and loved both. And so I was like, oh, so I can do both things here. This is great. <clears throat> and even though that was like October of that year, they still let me join their um, competitive company. And so that was great and stayed there um, all the way through high school. And that was also um, me and my eating disorder developed when I know, and I know we'll talk kind of more about body image stuff later, but that developed when I was, um, pretty young and that was also throughout that whole time but then 
wasn't really sure was debating doing like the whole auditioning for companies route, but then kind of was like, eh, don't know if I'm really ready for that. Don't know if that's necessarily going to be the route for me. So then decided to audition for colleges as a dance major. Ended up at Hunter College in New York City and had my first two years there as a dance major. And then ended up, because I started my eating disorder recovery my sophomore year of college, realized, okay, being a dance major, I don't think is for me right now. I still want dance in my life, but don't know if dance being my only thing is what's going to work for me. And then ended up getting into a small contemporary company um, in the city. It was second company of a company called Vanessa Long Dance Company. It was really focused around social justice, which was awesome. And it was a really good place. I mean, I rehearsed with them once a week. We had some performances and it was a good place for me to still, and I was still taking um, dance classes at Hunter. I just wasn't a major. Um, and then ended up taking some time away from dance in 2018 to focus on my recovery for almost a year. It was like, I think like nine or 10 months. And then um, I moved to Nashville, which I, where I'm living now in the summer, or I guess May of 20. 19. It was actually a few days ago. It was my two-year anniversary of moving to Nashville. But so when I moved to Nashville that summer, I had a lot of free time. My boyfriend is an audio engineer. And when the world isn't on fire, he tours a lot. He's always on the road and especially mm -hmm. during the summer. So he was away a lot and I didn't really have friends here yet. I wasn't starting grad school until August. And so I was like, you know what? I haven't taken, I mean, I had taken dance classes sporadically, but wasn't taking consistently. And I was like, you know what? let's see if there's anywhere I can take class and didn't realize that Nashville Ballet had a really awesome like community program ended up starting taking classes consistently again and was like oh like I'm really like when I say out of shape I don't mean in the sense of like my actual shape my body I mean as far as like you know technique um conditioning all of that stuff and I was like oh I really like I like I'm enjoying this but I want to get back to like where I was and so consistently was getting into class I started with like I would say two days a week and then eventually got up to like five days a week and then um, ended up also um, dancing at another studio that had like performance opportunities for adults. Did the Nutcracker. We were going to do Swan Lake in the spring and then COVID. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, I was still really motivated to dance at home. My boyfriend and I had already built me a bar like that Christmas. So I, like, I already had a bar. I didn't have Marley yet, but I was like, oh, this is only going to be for like two weeks. We're fine. This is fine. And then obviously that was, it was not fine. It was not just two weeks. Right. So then I first, I got a small piece of Marley that I had found on Amazon and I was like, I need something. And I didn't have a mirror though. And I was like really unmotivated. I'm like, I can tell there are definitely things with alignment. Like, I feel like if I'm dancing, I'm making things worse. Right. Um, and so it was like really unmotivated and like mirrors are super expensive, but then ended up as we were hunting on Facebook marketplace, found one for like $25 from wow. some guy who was like remodeling someone's house and it was it was an event <laughs> bringing wow. it trying to like we put it um in my little dance area in our downstairs and after that um I also had gotten another piece of Marley so I had more Marley and was just like okay I can actually see myself because otherwise it was just like the little camera on zoom which you don't really see so very much so I was like motivated again and was consistently taking class again, was taking some privates with people like Catherine Morgan, which was awesome. I was like, okay, I'm in a really good spot. And then um, in, I guess it was about October, November, um, a director of an amateur adult company um, 
Lee Pertle Ballet Company reached out to me to see if I was interested in being a guest artist with them for their virtual Nutcracker doing the snow pond. She was like, do you think you can convince your boyfriend to um, be um, the snow prince? And I was like, well, I guess I'm convincing him. And he begrudgingly um, agreed. We rehearsed totally over Zoom. I mean, he had taken like one or two ballet classes that I had convinced him to take once um, Nashville Ballet reopened, but like very much not a dancer. Like he appreciates dance and all of that and supports me, but <laughs> not a dancer himself at all. But you know, we worked, especially like we have fairly low ceilings in our downstairs, especially my little dance area. So we dealt with that. And like, um, it was my first time, like I've done partnering stuff, but not an actual, like not a ton of ballet partnering. Like I've done like a lot of contemporary stuff with partnering, but so it was figuring it out for us and figuring it out all over Zoom, you know, where a teacher can't like adjust you and be like, okay, this is where this needs to go. It was a lot. It was a lot of troubleshooting, but it ended up being really rewarding um, certainly wasn't like my strongest performance ever given like, you know, pandemic and it being rehearsed at home and all that. Cause we ended up filming it in a studio, but like, I hadn't been like, you know, having that much space in a physical studio. Like I had taken a few classes, but it was like in that little <laughs> box of Marley that like with it taped off and everything. But so that was really rewarding. And then, um, uh, dancer Brian Sims reached out to me after seeing the process with that. And he was like, I'm looking to start this company, Black Sheep Ballet. Um, and like for people who are like kind of outcasts in the ballet world, people who have been pushed out of the like classical ballet world, this is going to be a virtual professional company where, you know, all artists, regardless of like size, um, race, gender, all of that, we're going to be, you know, treated like the professionals they are. And he had you know, reached out to me, especially he is um, Black. He's, like, really trying to break gender norms in ballet. He dances on point. And so I was, like, at first I was, like, is this, like, is this, like, an actual thing? Am I actually, like, because, you know, I had danced professionally in a contemporary company and I had done some freelance ballet stuff for, like, modeling and, like, music videos, stuff like that, but hadn't been in the ballet company professionally. And so I was, like, you know, I was very excited, but I was like, oh no, what am I getting myself into, especially if being virtual, but um, started rehearsing in the beginning of January and taking class with them, and then we had our first virtual performance um, the end of February, or was it the beginning of March, I can't remember, but that was great, like all that stuff was like pre-recorded, and we had like some, like I had like a variation solo from what our spring ballet is going to be and we did some other like fun group stuff and then yeah so that's kind of where it brought me to unfortunately I did um I've been dealing with some um newly diagnosed chronic illness stuff on um, the beginning of this year and I had to kind of from like basically like the week after that performance is we had like a week off and then like I like we were having like class and rehearsal and I was like I ended up having to like stop dancing in the middle of rehearsal because I was not feeling good and then ended up for like a month, basically couldn't dance at all. And then was like having to vary because I ended up getting diagnosed with IBS, but I had also had some stuff where I had to like go to the hospital and all that. And so once I like started dancing again, because I had like a solid three weeks out any movement where I was like straight up just in my bed, I was like, you know, clearly not going to be like in the way that I could be adequately taking class and rehearsing in a professional company. And it would have been, A, wouldn't have been fair to my body, but B, wouldn't have been fair to the, you know, rest of the company to be like if we're rehearsing me not being able to like you know participate all that but 
I'm now, um, you know, navigating all that and I am slowly getting back to dancing more and getting back to being able to rehearse and all that. So definitely looking forward to that, especially because it was really frustrating being like, great. I'm like, you know, cause it was like pandemic slowed everything down and then things got back up and then being sick. So kind of, it's just interesting navigating it, but definitely so grateful that I have found this space in Black Sheep because I was kind of giving up on the idea of like finding like an actual, like, you know, it's great. And like the adult ballet community is wonderful, but I have kind of like been in this kind of like, I was kind of in this weird in between because I definitely, you know, even though I'm an adult who does ballet, wasn't like, you know, the typical, like someone who started when they were adult or something, but was kind of in this limbo as far as professional and all that. So finding that space and the fact that Brian created that and welcomed me for who I am has just been great. Yeah. And I want to, I want to talk a little bit about that because I think I can personally relate in regards to my history with disordered eating is almost the reason why I ended up in this limbo of like going from like your, the pre-professional and then all of a sudden you're on the other side of it and now you're like an adult, but you're not one of those classic adult dancers. Yeah. And you're just kind of like, it's like a very weird spot. I get that on a very personal level. So I kind of, actually go like a little bit back in time that great review but can you tell us your in your early years of life how was your relationship with food growing up yeah so when I was really young like less than eight years old had like a very normal relationship with food like my parents said they never had problems with me being like a picky eater I like always ate most foods like loved vegetables also loved like you know other foods too but like they didn't have any issues with like getting me to eat like they didn't have like any problems with that but then I was always I mean looking at pictures like when I was like really young I was I guess more average sized but then as I started getting a little bit older like I would say when I was getting more towards like six seven eight like was you know still like fairly average but on the slightly larger side and then when I was eight years old I had like my yearly physical at my doctor and you know, of course, they weigh you and all of that wonderful stuff. And my doctor told me that I needed to eat more salads, which are very, I mean, especially looking back on it now, very, very strange to say that to an eight-year-old. Like, I mean, that even shouldn't be said to like a kid's parent, but like, if you're going to, ha- if you're having some sort of concern over a child and their food or their body or whatever, like, don't say that to the eight-year-old, like have a conversation with the parent, maybe. I mean, still like the thing with salads, especially because like I said, like, my parents weren't having any trouble, like, having me, like, eating vegetables and stuff, like, and I genuinely, like, now I've gotten to the point where I actually do like salads from time to time, but then I was just, like, I don't like them, like, I like vegetables, but, like, salads just weren't something I liked, and that was, like, one of the first times that I was, like, hmm, there's something wrong with, like, what I eat, is there something wrong with my body, and also around that time, because I was, you know, that's kind of the age where you do become more, like, self-aware of your body and aware of, like, body differences, and I was always slightly larger than my friends and things like that. And noticed that like my stomach stuck out more and things like that. And was like becoming more conscious of like wanting to like suck my stomach in and things like that. And then when I was 10, um, I found a Weight Watchers book in my living room. And I was always very independent. I'm the youngest out of all my siblings. I started reading when I was like three years old. And, like my parents worked a lot. My grandma primarily took care of me when my parents were at work and like, because I was so independent, people weren't really like, you know, at that point, like I was like fairly self-sufficient as far as making food. My parents still made dinner and stuff, but like, as far as like breakfasts and lunch and stuff, like I could make myself stuff. 
And so no one really was like aware that that was a thing or because of how diet culture is so normalized. They weren't like, oh, this isn't a problem. Even though like at 10 years old, like I remember very clearly like writing down on a piece of paper, like the things I ate and like what the like point values were. And like looking back, I'm like, how did any, like clearly like that was easily found. Like I'm sure I at like 10 wasn't like, I'm going to go hide this in my room. Like I'm pretty sure it was just like on the kitchen table, but you know, it was so normalized. And also, I mean- my mom, like, you know, kind of through me healing my food stuff, my mom has healed her own food stuff, but, like, you know, she had plenty of issues herself, like, many, many people, you know, men, women, any gender have issues, but especially I know that so many women um, do struggle with issues with food, body image, all that, so there were times that, like, we dieted together because that was just, like, a normal thing, and so that can kind of continued on and off, and I would say it became an actual eating disorder probably when I was, like, 15, 16, and like very very restrictive I mean obviously exercising a lot as a dancer but exercising on top of that and it wasn't until I was 19 that I actually started recovery started healing from the eating disorder so like when I was super young very healthy relationship with food but then once I was like eight that was kind of when things went a bit off the rails. Wow well this is really interesting it just goes to show you how diet culture can infiltrate us different times in our life. And again, on a personal level, diet culture did not infiltrate my life because yeah. of privilege really just goes to show you how dangerous it can yeah. be. The younger it might infiltrate someone, yeah. a, a young child's life. And it's so true. What you said is that what's, what's so, uh, what I empathize with is that how normalized diet yeah. culture, not that, you know, whether it be your mom or a parent, um, had any harm in, in no. be not telling you they just didn't know you know to them yeah. this is normal like counting yeah. points where the new diet of wellness is yeah. and it just you know i i, I empathize with yeah. the, with your mom because she didn't perhaps necessarily know and rightfully yeah. so so was it around that age of like 15 16 when you would say that maybe you connected the dots between like dance and like oh yeah and t- Definitely, mm-hmm. especially because that was when I was like, that was like that summer after I went to Joffrey and was like, you yeah. know, consistently seeing a lot of performances, like living in New York, like went to see like New York City Ballet, especially as it has been my favorite company and like, you know, realized very clearly, oh yeah, no one looks like me. Like there is no one on stage that looks like me and even in class and especially as I was in higher level situations, like there were maybe like maybe one or two other people that look like me, but the vast majority of people, especially people who were getting attention, who were progressing, who were getting, or progressing, getting featured roles, things like that, were much thinner. And, like, there are, obviously, like, there are dancers that are naturally thin. Like, you're a dancer who's naturally thin. There are plenty of dancers who are naturally thin, and there are plenty who aren't. And, like, you know, obviously, like, if you look at basically any, like, you know, top five, top ten companies, like, they're like oh yeah we're like accepting of different body types now and it's like are you though like being slightly muscular is not like you know I mean that's you know those body types can exist beautifully naturally but there are so many people that don't fit into that and so many people who do feel like okay I have to compensate and especially because companies tell people they're like you need to lengthen which is just like you need to lose weight and Like, I mean, not that I was ever explicitly, like, in dance told you need to lose weight. There were things like that, and there were times where, like, dance teachers asked, like, oh, what did you have for dinner? And, like, if it was something like grilled chicken and brown rice and vegetables, 
it was like way to go and if it was like oh like I went to McDonald's it was like uh no and it's like you know obviously different foods serve different purposes and maybe like if I was like if I was eating McDonald's regularly before dance I probably wouldn't be the best fueled but it's like there's nothing wrong with going and getting like definitely connected those dots and was like okay clearly I need to change my body and also the thing was once I did like you know obviously not everybody with an eating disorder has their body changed but for me I did get smaller and as my body shrunk the praise and the featured roles and the attention skyrocketed sure and that's what's so really difficult about this industry because everything we see in diet culture in regards to, you know, certain things being uh, praised versus like, for example, you know, eating the salad versus yeah. having McDonald's and not be praised. Uh, yeah. All it does is solidify how the lack of, um, or I should say not lack of, but the amount of shame also yeah. in, in these varying choices, right? Yeah. And that it just also kind of, fans the flames of um, lack of diversity and lack of access to so many populations, like whether that be body diversity or not, like socioeconomic differences. Can you talk more about your, when you started to begin your journey, perhaps this is when you began recovery, but I'm curious about that journey. And when you started to think about the idea of like, okay, my body doesn't necessarily look like those girls on stage. What am I going to do now? Am I going to continue? Because eating disorder recovery, you can kind of tell us about this, but yeah. eating disorder recovery can be a little bit questionable in of itself. I've heard some yeah. hard stories in that realm as it not being um, uh, haste aligned, believe yeah. it or not. Oh, yeah. And haste uh, for anyone listening is health at every size. Um, now I'm curious to hear about your journey with eating disorder recovery. When you, you know, were introduced this idea of body acceptance. Yeah. Um, and, and how that went for you. Yeah, no, it was definitely very weird. And I think because, you know, even when I was like at my like smalls, which also definitely wasn't when I was necessarily at my worst because I had plenty of other lows, like at times where I relapsed and was in a very different body. But as far as like, even at my smallest, I mean, I was never clinically underweight, was definitely underweight for me and did like look underweight for a general human, but because of dance, you know, obviously, like, what's considered thin for dance is very different, but, you know, when I did start recovery, I mean, one thing that was helpful to an extent was when I was at Hunter. Hunter is a very, very diverse school, and, like, we did have ballet, but it was a very, like, modern, contemporary-focused school, and, like, we had all different races, a lot of, honestly, like, different ages, things like that, so, I mean, I was still hyper-focused on my body, and of course, there were people who had, like, a ballet body, things like that, but I think being exposed to, like, there being differences in bodies, not that there was, you know, there were still things mentioned about bodies, but it was a very different environment than, like, you know, ballet school-type situation, so I think that was, I think if I wasn't in that situation, I think if I was still, like, very much on the ballet-only track, like, I was still focused on ballet, but it wasn't my only thing as far as, like, my strongest focus, I think that would have been harder, um, it still definitely was there, especially because, like, I was taking classes at other places, and things like that, and still doing, like, modeling, and stuff like that, but, um, I think being in that slightly different, like, very diverse environment was really helpful, because I could see, like, and I appreciated the beauty of other types, like, other bodies, I just couldn't appreciate that for myself, and it was definitely, especially because it was mainly social media, where I first got introduced to, like, body acceptance, body neutrality, 
pulp at every size, um, like all of that, like plus size models, things like that, that I was just like, uh, like I can get behind this for other people. Don't know if I can get behind this for me. And um, also like, cause I mean, I had started with just a therapist. Um, she was great. Got me like, you know, she started me off in my journey. I mean, of, like, you know, like anyone, she was imperfect, just like I am as a therapist too. But like, there were different times where like, I would say like something about body image and she was like, oh, well, like you could change your body if you want and things like that. I mean, technically, like, yes, that is like giving someone autonomy to be like, yeah, you can change your body. But with someone with an eating disorder, not necessarily the most helpful thing. And then at one point I was like, okay, maybe I need a dietitian to help me like with this food piece. Like I'm getting a little bit better, but I have no idea, honestly, like what even I'm supposed to be eating, how much I'm supposed to be eating because my vision of food was so skewed. And that dietitian was supposedly trained in eating disorders, had a lot of experience with eating disorders. But when I went to her and this was even, I was in a relapse, I was really not doing well, was really sick, but um, she was extremely diety. And like, we went through, you know, whole family history, understandably. And like, but at that point, you know, I really wasn't eating much. There were very few things that I felt safe eating. And she told me a bunch of things I shouldn't be eating. And some of those things were safe things. And she was like, you know, demonizing like frozen foods, which like as a college student, especially because I didn't have a dining hall at Hunter, like it was like we had a kitchen. So like, especially for me being a busy, like having a dance schedule and doing things outside of just my college dance program, like I sometimes just needed frozen things. And especially like the fact that I was cut, like, I needed to be eating anything at that point. Like it shouldn't, like there was a, like, it wasn't the place for like gentle nutrition or whatever. It was a place for like, okay, we need to like right. do nutritional rehabilitation where you're just like eating. And so sure. even after I saw her once and like had started like following, you know, meal plan, whatever. And then, you know, after that I was like, oh yeah. Like even in my sick brain, I was like, this is not helpful. I ended up canceling my session with her the next one. And then was like terrified to go to anyone after that because I was like this was really bad and then ended up wasn't until a few months later I had started um going to um because I also after that fall of my sophomore year um I like stayed at Hunter for my whole sophomore year but I was um ended up my junior year had to go back home to Long Island because Hunter you could only really you were only guaranteed dorming for two years and the commute was just going from where I was on Long Island was to get to the Upper East Side was going to be a pain and so I had started um then like you know I was a little bit that particular relapse was actually I think after that was after I had moved um that was after I had moved home and no sorry, mixing things up in my brain. When I saw the dietitian, that particular relapse, I was still at Hunter and then like was still seeing my therapist, but was not, you know, getting like nutritional support um, aside from like things I was finding on Instagram and whatever. But then, you know, finished out my year at Hunter, had like the summer at home, whatever, but then ended up staying home for like the next fall for school, was still seeing my therapist in the city and I was dancing with the company um, and was so, I was going in one day a week and then had another relapse like that um, spring. And so then ended up, because I had been going to this free support group at a small outpatient eating disorder treatment center on Long Island. And it was like, it, it kind of cycled who was running it. Sometimes it was a therapist, sometimes it was a dietitian. And one of my friends that I had made through the Instagram recovery community, she had been seeing a dietitian there because she had done like their IOP there. And her dietitian didn't have any openings, but one of the other dietitians there did. And I was like, you know what? I think I need to give seeing a dietitian another chance and ended up meeting my dietitian and it was completely different. 
completely haze informed, like not focused on weight, not focused on that. It was like focused on like, okay, what can we do to get you eating what you need to be eating and not be micromanaging? Like I still, like I use like recovery record, which is for anyone who doesn't know is an app for eating disorder recovery where you can like, you're logging meals, but it's not in the sense of like a MyFitnessPal thing where you're like logging calories. It's like logging the meals, logging any particular eating disorder behaviors, things like that. And so once I found her, it ended up like really showing me that dietitians could be really great and could be really positive for eating disorders, for intuitive eating, all of that. And that really did change things for me because I still honestly had no idea what I needed to be eating. And it was like a lot more than I thought I needed to be eating. And so that, you know, once my brain could heal and all of that, because if your brain isn't getting enough food, there's no amount of, you know, psychological work is going to be enough. And so that relapse for me, you know, kind of going to rock bottom again was like, you know, not everybody has to get to rock bottom. For me, it had to be those few times of doing that to be like, okay, this isn't working. And so, but, and that was also one of the times when my body changed the most because my body had already changed a lot at that point. And then I was dancing less and my body kind of went through like a second puberty of sorts, even though I was like 21, it was like my body changed again. Like, and I very quickly, cause like, you know, in recovery, I had gotten slightly larger, but was still, like, still very much, like, a very much, like, straight size and clothing was, like, not plus size, and then within a matter of a few months, like, completely, like, went from being, like, very boxy to being very curvy, had a very large chest, was, like, you know, not stereotypical size, and that was, like, I mean, I was, I was intentionally taking a break from dance, and then when I got back into dance, that was when things were really hard, because, like, I kept like my leotards and stuff, but like literally like one time I went to take an adult class with my mom at one of my childhood studios and like couldn't fit into a leotard. Like, and I was like, oh, this is different. Like, I mean, I had had trouble, you know, when I was younger, maybe finding like dancewear that I liked, but I was like, oh, this is like, this is very different. And like, luckily that was an environment that was very contained, very safe because it was an adult class, but it was still you know, re-entering the dance world in my body that I currently have was very different than, like, kind of, like, maintaining being in the dance world while being early in recovery, because I was still in a very societally acceptable body, even if it wasn't maybe quite the ideal ballet body, it was still much more ideal than where I'm at now. More specifically, though, how was it for you starting to except you could have been at a very vulnerable spot. Mm -hmm. Lucky for you, you found that other dietitian. Um, I think there's something to be said that not all clinicians are necessarily haste informed or intuitive eating informed. And they'll very much accept patients that might be struggling with an eating disorder, perhaps shouldn't be accepting patients with disorder. So I think you raise a really good point in the matter of like just doing research on who you're starting to work with. Yeah. Because you, it sounded like you were in a very vulnerable position. Yeah. You could have gone down one of two paths. Being in that dance class and being like, I can't do this. I need yeah. to lose weight now. Yeah. Or this is clearly the, the path that you, sounds like you started to go on, which is like, okay, this is my body. How can I now like actually start to accept this because I've been following you for quite a while yeah. and several years ago you started body positive uh, ballerina movement what was it that allowed you because I think a lot of dancers are at this point where it's like one of two paths you know what was it for you that perhaps you weren't yet at the point where maybe you were embracing your body but yeah. you were starting the work of like accepting your yeah. body 
definitely. I think I just like got so tired of it. I and I was just like so fed up with the dance world that I was like, like this isn't okay. Like I was just like, cause I had like started because I had started doing so much work and it wasn't, I mean, I was doing work around my dance stuff, but it also just in general. And because I was seeing so many health at every size accounts, so many body neutrality accounts, not of dancers, but of other people in general. And I was like, okay, like, and I certainly was not embracing my body at that point either, but I was like, okay, this seems like something that I want to work towards. And I also still want to be a dancer. Like, how am I going to align these things and then ended up making like it was back in 2017 I was only like I was less than a year into my recovery at that point I think that was like April of 2017 I had started recovery um like September of 2016 so it was very early early in recovery but basically made a post like calling out the dance world being like you know this isn't okay like especially the ballet world encourages basically eating disorders encourages disordered eating and, and doesn't embrace body diversity and like hoped it would be received well didn't know how many people would see it didn't know how it would be received because I also only had like maybe 2,000 followers at that point and then it ended up that someone from Yahoo saw it and they ended up emailing me and they're like oh like we're writing a story on this we'd like some quotes I was still like oh like maybe a few people will see this it's not going to be a big deal and they ended up having they had a video that was connected to that with like photos of me and like quotes from me and stuff and they ended up sharing that along with the article but like all of their social media platforms globally and ended up getting like half a million views and like suddenly like my account like the span of like a month went from like 2,000 followers to like 10,000 followers and it was like very overwhelming and suddenly I was in this very public position and suddenly had this platform. I think it's also interesting for me to look back on because while I was slightly larger at that point I was still very much like um, I was still like very societally acceptable body was not plus size by any means so it's interesting looking back because I still had like so much thin privilege then so it's kind of interesting looking at that now because I really you know don't have that privilege I mean I have a lot of other privileges but don't have that privilege so it's kind of interesting to see that and I think that also might be why people received it um in the way that it was at that point I think maybe if I made that post in my current body and started tried to start that movement now it might not have been received in the same way which is also very interesting. But then that kind of like, I kind of kept that momentum going. And then it like people, like, obviously, there were people who were haters and like, were like, you know, this is just how the dance world is, blah, blah, blah. And then there were people who were like, yeah, I agree. Like, this is bullshit. This isn't like, you know, this isn't okay. And then continued getting more media attention and continued like was connecting with different organizations, especially around eating disorders, and just really like, ended up starting to build this platform in this community and realized, you know, because at that point, like, I wasn't really public at all about my eating disorder. Like, I had that account, and, like, it wasn't private, but, it, like, mostly people from my day-to-day life didn't follow it, and then suddenly it was like, okay, everybody knows this, and I think it could have really derailed me, but it ended up making my recovery that much stronger because I was, you know, just, because it, I mean, I think for some people, with it being under the public eye, it could be I mean, it was a lot of pressure, but I think for me, because it couldn't be a secret anymore and it was out there, it ended up making it where I was that much more motivated to be honest with myself in my recovery. Yeah. And you really started, in my opinion, because sure, the like haste movement has has been around already for quite some time. It really has not been around in the dance world for quite I mean, I would say just in the past, like, six months, yeah. we're 
starting to see more, um, I don't want to say change just yet because we are yeah. like <laughs> to go until we yeah. be serious, right? We, we yeah. want we're starting to see more people speaking out, you yeah. know, like Catherine Morgan, yeah. these big time dancers that are really challenging yeah. ideas, whether or not, you know, they're still in, let's just say like thin privileged bodies, yeah. that's something else, but still just the idea yeah. of like speaking out oh, um, yeah. and challenging these bodies, I would say just the just past six to nine months has really skyrocketed. Yeah. But Colleen, you started this literally, uh, let's see, 2017, my son was born in 2017, like, we're, yeah, yeah four, like, four and a half years, you really yeah. are, in my opinion, um, someone who has pioneered this for the dance world, which gives you a lot of, um, your platform, in my opinion, a lot, a lot of power to continue this, so do you ever feel a lot of pressure with that? Oh, yeah, no, it's definitely a lot of pressure, I think, especially, like, as my body has evolved and even like because at that point I was still dancing super super regularly and like then I had a time where I like wasn't and like it's definitely is a lot of pressure and I think also as I was navigating like the whole thing of like I didn't like understand what thin privilege was and then also like then okay I have thin privilege and then my body changed again and so I think there is definitely a lot of pressure and I think also like as my journey has evolved and also like now that I'm in school to become a therapist and I'm an intern and I have therapy clients and like going to be graduating in December there are a lot of different things that like you know that I obviously have evolved so much since then and like also you know it is there is a lot of pressure there you know especially like on hard days like I know like especially because I value being so authentic on my platform I mean obviously that doesn't mean that I share every single detail of my life but I'm you know on those days it can be hard when I'm not feeling positive at all about my body when I'm like you know I mean I have like now I never like make the action of changing my body but that doesn't mean there are no thoughts there and on those days it's like oh am I just like a hypocrite and am I like actually like standing up for this platform and like I know I always am even in those moments because like when I made that statement it wasn't like okay I'm gonna love my body every single day of my life the dance world <laughs> is like horrible all this it was like hey this is a problem I'm struggling with this and this is part of why you know obviously the dance world certainly wasn't the only reason but was a big reason and so there is a lot of pressure and like there you know I think kind of going back to like when I started it having that thin privilege and now you know not and having like people like you know I mean obviously people judge dancers in all sizes of bodies and whatever but especially like there are people who often like especially like if I make a post about haze or like about body acceptance things, whatever, or, like, food freedom that people are, like, oh, my God, like, you're encouraging these unhealthy habits and, like, these terrible things or, like, you're not a real dancer or whatever. I'm, like, and, like, or, like, no one would want to pay to see you dance. And I'm, like, well, there are all these people who have said they would. So I'm not, like, and it's hard because, like, they're, like, as much as I would like it to be, like, oh, yeah, I don't care about your opinion. Some days that is what happens and I just, you know, block and delete and it's fine and then there are days like especially like if someone has like a particularly like difficult comment that I'm like oh like am I doing the right thing am I doing something wrong so it's I think the pressure to also try to handle things gracefully which I'm human so sometimes I do and sometimes I don't so it's like having to be super aware of that because it is such a public platform and also because I'm not just like I mean obviously like yes I'm a human first but now that you know I'm therapy intern and all that like I have a very different presence than when I was just 
the dancer and recovery figuring things out. Like I'm in a very different position and I have, you know, I have a lot of influence. I have a great platform and I need to be using it for the right reasons and in the right ways. Cause it's very different than when I was, again, like when I was just the dancer in recovery, when I didn't have like all this responsibility that I do now, which I value this responsibility and I'm so grateful for it. And it's also like, you know, it can be hard to navigate sometimes. Yeah, and you bring up such a good point. Another one that I can personally relate to, just the idea of it being a journey. You know, I think that a lot of people feel that uh, whether it's body dissatisfaction or body dysmorphia, you know, we work on it and we solve it. And that's so not... <laughs> nope. <laughs> I wish it was. <laughs> oh, I know. Um, but unfortunately, it, it's, a, it's a constant journey. It's an exhausting journey, to be yeah. honest. And I can feel, honestly, on a personal level, also being in this field, something that I'm just, like, in every single day and doing the work for every single day, that in of itself can be pretty exhausting. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Right? Yeah, I, I feel that. I really do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, question. In regards to food, how would you say your relationship with food changed as you started to um, walk on this journey of body acceptance? Yeah, no, it is definitely, I mean, it's been a long journey, but I'm in a place now where, like, fully embrace intuitive eating. I mean, not that my eating is, like, you know, not that my relationship with food is perfect, but, like, most of the time I'm able to, like, listen to my body, although, like, kind of going back to the chronic illness piece, like, there have been times lately where I've kind of I've gone to, had to go back to, like, the mechanical eating thing of, like, okay, I'm not hungry or I'm feeling this way and I still need to fuel my body. But being able to be very intentional about how I'm fueling my body, being able to feed it all sorts of different things based on like what my body needs, what my brain needs, what my taste buds need, you know, being able to be aware of like ways different foods make my body feel, things like that. And being able to also focus like because for a while, like I think even touching the gentle nutrition piece, especially as a dancer, just wasn't where I was at and now being like, okay. If I'm having a long class or rehearsal day, maybe the way I fuel myself early in the day is going to be different than like what I eat after rehearsal or something like that based on like that or for a performance or whatever. And so being in that place feels really good because I'm able to, you know, honor my health and honor, you know, honor both my physical and my mental health. Right. And that's something, you know, in the past clearly wasn't doing either when I was in my eating disorder, even though I thought I was honoring my health clearly was not. So being able to be in that place authentically now, like my relationship with food, like I would say, honestly, like, you know, is pretty great now. And I'm able to like eat normally. And like, you know, sometimes there are days where like a thought will pop in and then I'm like, nope, we're not, we're not dealing with that. We're eating whatever we're eating. And that's that. Yeah, just want to clarify for the dancers who are listening, Colin, because I've known you for several years already, you're a fellow perfectionist. So yeah. when you say, <laughs> when you say, um, you know, eating in regards to just being a dancer, I think a lot of that relates back to being a perfectionist. Yeah. Like, whether it's like a dancer, sure, whatever, but it's really perfectionism. And yeah able to find this place where it's like we can take nutrition knowledge to benefit our performance but yeah. not have it be this like all or nothing oh yeah mentality where it's like if I'm eating let's say McDonald's it's ruining my performance which exactly. is exactly cool. uh, and I think that's really important that's again something I relate to on a personal note and I was thinking about this today because uh, um my son and I have McDonald's for dinner honestly yeah. and 
that every pretty much we do it like I would say around once a week it's just like ends yeah. up being day. it's convenient for like our which is usually Monday's just crazy day and yeah you know, and it normalizes it and all that it, like that a hundred percent and like as I'm as we're getting in in the car and I'm like thinking to myself I'm literally and this is for everyone listening me still doing the work of like with my yeah. son like it's so nothing like he's eating it he's enjoying it it's great and I'm like I have to I really have to have like this proactive approach that's yeah. like telling myself like this is okay this is neutral this is fine yeah. but it just goes to show you that it, like those thoughts just what you keep saying those thoughts might never leave us it's yeah. just of how we respond to them yeah, exactly and realize that it's not you know make or breaking our performance or there's no shame in this and there's of course no guilt in, yeah. in eating that yeah no definitely a hundred percent agree with that I think it's also always interesting for me like especially like I was in California um for two weeks until last Wednesday and like I mean we ate a ton of different things like especially like some nights like my boyfriend's parents cooked some nights we went out and whatever and like you know, being able to eat so normally, especially because for so many years for me, like eating food on vacation was a really like taxing thing. I was like, okay, I have to analyze the menu before I go or like, I'm going to bring this thing with me or whatever. And now it's like, you know, and like coming back from vacation, I was like, okay, there are certain, or even like certain nights I was like, oh, this particular thing made me feel this way, whether it was good, bad or whatever. Like, I think I'm able to be, and like, there are times where I was just like, wow, like, I ate this thing, and I literally didn't even think about it. Like, that was something that, like, a few years ago would have been, like, either I wouldn't have eaten it, or it would have been, like, this event of, like, okay, I have to prepare myself. This is how I'm going to cope after. And, like, you know, not that there are never times, like, because especially, like, with being sick, things like that. It's not that there are never times that food is hard, but, like, most of the time it's not. And I think it's just really interesting to look at that now. And I'm like, it's nice to see that progress, especially in moments like that, where it is like, oh, like this was just like another day. This yeah. wasn't like, this doesn't have to be this big ordeal like it once was. Yeah, absolutely. And I, that's the beauty of uh, neutrality. Yeah, exactly. And also body neutrality. We need to find a place of not necessarily body acceptance, but yeah. maybe vitality or, yeah. you know, accommodate our body for what it is in a way that, um, how it is with us not restricting our food intake. Yeah. The only thing is that it's gets hard for me to, uh, depict this messaging because I am very much a person who has thin privilege and I yeah. don't really know what it feels like to live in a body that our society and even the dance world doesn't see as being this quote unquote acceptable yeah. body type. So my question for you is what is your opinion in regards to a dancer wanting to find food freedom and where in that journey they have to start coming to a place of um, body, I'll say neutrality. Yeah, no, for sure. I think for me so early in recovery, that was something I did a lot of work on in therapy. And it was like, you know, with my therapist, she was like, okay, like, we know that like, unless you're manipulating your body constantly, you're not going to have the ideal dance body. And right. like having to weigh out, like how much do you want to be in the dance world? And like how much, like it had to be kind of constructing, like kind of protecting, like, cause I really wanted to maintain, I wanted to be in the dance world and had to have ways of protecting myself within the dance world of like building up my own inner resources and also having the people that I knew were in my corner because I knew like, there is no, unfortunately, like, it would be great if we have a dance world free of that. That's honestly, like, I don't think ever going to happen. Like, we can have progress for sure. 
but we knew it was like, you're going to face those things. Like, that's how it's going to be. And I had to realize like, okay, how badly do I want to be in the dance world? Because I also did have an option. I could have like gone completely away from the dance world, but I knew for me like, okay, I want to be in the dance world. How can I build up my own inner resources, which took a lot of work and therapy and a lot of like rewiring of thoughts and things like that and having other supportive people in my life and having things outside of dance too. But it really just had to be a matter of like, okay, so you want to be in the dance world. What are things we can do as far as coping? Like if you do go to an audition and you see either that your body, you know, looks a particular way compared to someone or someone says something about your body or whatever, like what are ways that we're going to work on that? And like, that was just like a lot of like affirmations and a lot of like, if there was a particular instance where I was like hyper-focusing on my body, like really looking at the facts of that situation and being like, okay, like what are the actual facts of this situation? What was I saying to myself? What are other ways we can look at this? What are other interpretations? And like, you know, having to like, and I still deal with crappy people on the internet of saying things about my body that are like, you know, when I say factual things, it's not necessarily what they say is a fact, but it's a fact that they said that thing. So having to, you know, it just has to be that you have to like, there's always like a not, like obviously dancers who are looking for food freedom aren't always people who are struggling with disorder eating. Eating disorder is the kind of a parallel thing that like I've always had like true and professional say is like we have to teach you to be more recovered than the world that you're going back into. And that was similar. It was even more so with the dance world. It was like, okay, if you're wanting to dive head first back into the dance world, you need to be so much more resilient than just any other dancer going in. And that was really, and like has still maintained to be the thing that I have to like constantly be doing this work of affirming myself and having to be really mindful of what voices I listen to and what voices I don't, which obviously is a journey, but that's like, I think, um, and I know that like getting professional help is a privilege for sure. I mean, dancing itself also, especially if you're dancing in like a studio set. I mean, obviously anyone can like dance wherever they are, but as far as like training as a dancer is a privilege too. So I think, you know, getting professional help, whether that is a dietitian, it's a therapist, it's both, whatever that is, I think that's one of the biggest things because sometimes you just need that objective voice who can help you, especially with things like navigating the dance world, navigating body neutrality in the dance world. Sometimes you need like that reality check from someone. And I think it also actually helped for me. I mean, I think seeing someone who is specialized in dance is really helpful. But for me, my therapist wasn't a dancer at all. And actually it kind of helped, I think, even more in some respects because she was just like looking at it as an objective human who maybe appreciated dance, but wasn't like in the space and being able to have that. I'm like, oh yeah, these are these things that are, really screwed up yeah yeah very helpful I love the this idea of almost like fact checking or learning yeah. to identify you know fact from fiction and how that applies to someone's body yeah uh, also one thing that you actually mentioned earlier that I just want to remind all the dancers listening is uh looking into who you're following on Instagram yeah. because I think that can play it sounded like that was something that was actually in, in your recovery at one point yeah. um was about you know creating a haste aligned or healthy yeah. mind and body positive aligned feed for yeah. yourself. And I think those are the free resources, you know, our world and the dance world, especially it is so normalized to, yeah. to have a certain degree of disordered eating. So definitely. So for a young dancer, it's very difficult. Yeah. Very difficult. Now, Colleen, the one question that I ask all dancers on here, and I'm going <laughs> to throw it at you is yeah. how define what the healthy dancer means to you 
Yeah, that is a really good question. I mean, I think for me, it's a dancer who is able to like honor their mind, body, and spirit, and kind of like you know that all of like honoring all parts of your health because health just isn't just our physical health, our mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, like all of these like relationship health, all of these different things, social health, like. There are so many aspects. I think when we're able to focus on all of those aspects and figure out what uniquely works for us, because honestly, like what me being a healthy dancer looks like is different than like what you being a healthy dancer looks like, things like that. So for me personally, it's, you know, being in a place where I'm honoring my body, if that means, you know, that I need to take a rest day, if that means I want to dance more, if I need to move my body more, if I need to go see my doctor, if I need to eat more that day, if I need to eat in a particular way that day, if I need to whatever it is that I, if I like need to pay attention to my hydration, whatever it is, it's being very like listening to my body, listening to my mind um, and not, you know, obviously there can be helpful external resources, but really like tapping into my own internal wisdom and focusing on like true, like my own wellness, like me being my healthiest version of myself versus like what society or the dance world version of me being healthiest. So just really being able to, focus on the things that are keeping me well, the things that are keeping me happy. And also knowing that that looks different, you know, that I can still be a healthy dancer, even like if I'm like when I'm having like a bad day with chronic illness stuff, that I'm still being a healthy dancer because I'm listening to my body by like on a particular day, maybe not moving or if moving feels like it's going to make me feel better when I'm not feeling well than moving. But I think just noticing the differences of how it fluctuates over time and realizing how individual it is and not, getting my idea of health from what any other dancer is doing. Yeah, that's so fascinating. And Colleen, it's been such an honor to watch you on your journey throughout all of this in regards to going from a place of, you know, and, and by the way, you've taught me a lot in regards <laughs> to my own personal journey with acknowledging thin privilege and um, becoming the dietitian that I am today is actually very, is different than the dietitian that I was <laughs> So if you scroll back on my feed, like five years ago, you're going to see like, oh, this Greek yogurt tastes really good with like these fresh raspberries. <laughs> 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 like, it's like a snack. But yeah. at the same time, a lot of my messaging has changed over time. Yeah. Because I've learned that um, it can be very easy for as a clinician, as a dietitian to oh, yeah. be extremely um, uh, tone deaf to... Yeah diversity, whether that's body diversity or um, economical, socioeconomic, cultural, lots of different, lots yeah. of different social injustice. So thank you so much for that. And honestly, for um, watching your journey through this starting to, or what it seems like now is that you embrace who you are more, yeah. more every day. And um, your platform is doing such a great job at encouraging other dancers to to say, like you said before, you know, maybe those, maybe that idea of dieting, you know, those dancers that might be at that point where it's like, can, should they go down path A or path B? Yeah. Path a, you know, that sounds exhausting yeah. to just continue to fight against your body and yeah. fight um, for these unrealistic ideals that might not be realistic for you or for a dancer out there or whatever. Um, and Ex exhausting yourself and distracting yourself yeah. from what could have been years of enjoying this passion that you've had since you were six years old. Yeah. I know that 
from a personal perspective. I mean, I wasted so many years, yeah. was consumed and distracted. Yeah. Colleen, thank you so much. Yes, no, thank you. I'm so grateful for you. And it's always so cool to see how you're Page is evolving too, and just so grateful to be able to collaborate with you and just, yeah, so excited to like continue collaborating together. Grateful um, to be your friend and so glad we were able to chat today. Yeah, Colleen, I agree. Thank you so much. We will talk soon. Yes. All right. Thank you.